Welcome to HTM Insider. I'm Sherelle with Multi-Medical Systems, and we're excited today to bring you the right to repair with Kevin O'Reilly from US Perg. Hi everyone, Spencer here on the production team. Just a quick note, we're jumping right into the interview here, and we have just asked Kevin what he defines so step back right and to repair. Talk about what right to repair is. Um, you know, right to repair, as I was saying, is this idea that we should be able to fix our stuff when it breaks. Right. Um, and that means that the consumer should, you know, not only be able to fix it themselves, but have the choice to fix it themselves, to have an independent repair technician fix it for them or go to the dealer. Um, but in everything from ventilators to John Deere tractors to Apple iPhones, manufacturers restrict access to necessary parts, tools, and information um, to, to fix this stuff, which makes you go back to the manufacturer themselves. Um, that's a bad deal because A, it costs more. Um, right. You know, in the medical device field, this is definitely the case that it's incredibly expensive to get a, um, you know, a service contract with, with the OEM. Um, but it also, you know, means that things don't get used for as long as they need to, or it, it's a little bit of an assault on the agency and of ownership, right? Of the idea mm -hmm. that it's my thing, I should be able to do what I want with it. Um, so, you know, that's kind of right to repair in broad strokes, but, you know, so like I said, we've got, right now we have right to repair bills in 25 different states. Um, we've got right to repair bills that include medical equipment in 10 states. Um, so, you know, my focus has really been on that as well as the agricultural side of things. Um, and then we have, you know, members of, of our team who focus on, you know, doing the work in the states themselves and then also doing kind of more focused things on um, household appliances and, and consumer technology. Right. So when do you think this started? Can you pinpoint a year when the division happened between ownership, right to repair and legislation? Yeah, so I can't point to a specific year, but I think the trend that has led to where we are today is the fact that everything has become more computerized, right? Mm -hmm. Everything has software these days. Um, and, you know, as that was implemented, this was an opportunity to control the repair market because, you know, like the service keys work in uh, medical equipment, um, the same things happen in agricultural equipment. If a farmer wants to, um, has a problem with his tractor and needs to go in and fix it, he doesn't have access to, to the service key. He's got to go back to um, the, uh, back to the manufacturer. Um, so, you know, that started to happen. We started to see, you know, repair manuals that are thick turn into really, really thin user manuals right. or, right. Um, and, you know, repair and service have become, more of a revenue stream than a collaborative effort to make sure that we're getting the most uptime possible. Um, so, you know, I, I know that people in the, you know, HTM world have been calling for this for a long time. I think you're going to talk with uh, Ben Sang Wang, who has mm -hmm. long been a proponent of this, and he can probably speak a little bit more to the specifics um, of it. But, you know, I think this issue has been around for a long time, but COVID-19 really brought it under the microscope, right? right. So at a time when OEMs should have been working, you know, closest with hospitals and ISOs to make sure that every ventilator, every dialysis machine, every piece of uh, imaging equipment was ready uh, and up and running to help a patient. Um, many manufacturers continued to restrict access to repair materials. Um, so, 
you know, I think it's, it's made it all the more urgent. It's helped to bring some awareness to it. Um, you know, we've done a lot of work at US PERG um, in response to this. So, you know, back at the outset of the pandemic, one of the things we did was we did a massive effort to bring public, you know, public opinion yeah, into yeah. the effort, right? So yeah. we collected 43,000 petitions um, calling on ventilator manufacturers in particular to loosen um, some of their repair restrictions and got a big victory in that GE Healthcare and Fisher and Pakal and uh, Medtronic did yeah. open up some of their online trainings and, and, and tools. But the fact of the matter is, is that's not, that's ventilators only. That's not every manufacturer of ventilators. So, you know, the work has continued. We um, are, have now since then really been focused on recruiting biomeds. So, you know, we had an, an open letter and a lot of the work I was doing was to recruit 500, over 500 biomeds from 41 states to call for reduced repair restrictions, to call for right to repair. Um, that helped us get the attention of folks like Senator Ron Wyden, who introduced right. the critical medical infrastructure um, right to Repair Act, which is a mouthful. Don't make me say it five times fast. Um, but <laughs> yeah, but uh, but yeah. So that didn't pass. But our efforts continue, and and now are really our focus is on on the states, and in particular this bill in California that we think um, you know could have legs and and could um, start to address the issue. Well, let me let me take a step back now, and I'm going to pretend like I'm the OEM. Okay. And I know why you can't repair my stuff because you can't do it as good as we can do it because you're gonna put subpar parts, subpar training, subpar effort into the repair. You know, I've had them compare VW parts to Mercedes parts, right? I've seen that in the field myself, even around endoscope repair. Um, and, and I know it's not true, but let's just say I'm the, OEM, and I'm asking you this question or telling you this, what do you believe as the end user, right? I mean, how do you come back against that and say, no, we have this right to repair our own equipment because we bought it? Yeah, I think there's a couple important points there. Um, so for one, the FDA looked into whether or not independent repair was safe. And they found definitively, yes, right? There was a 2018 report that they issued that not only stated that, you know, OEM in-house and third-party repair is safe and there's no real safety risk to patients as a result of it. The, the report goes so far to say that third-party repair is critical to the functioning of the US healthcare system. So that's kind of, I think the first big point, right? That, mm -hmm. that this idea that it's not safe is, is, is just not true. Um, but the other part is, you know, I've spoken with you know dozens of biomeds um, over the um, over the past eight months or nine months or year, mm -hmm. however, however long it's been. One conversation that sticks out to me is uh, Ramana Sastri, who's the head of clinical engineering at UCSF, and he the way he talked about it, he's like this is this is our house, right? These are our patients. This is our equipment, and we have pride in delivering the best care possible, best making sure that our equipment is up running at 100% so that we can continue to deliver incredible care to our patients who walk in the door. Right. And that kind of pride and that kind of um, you know, responsibility, I think is in hospitals throughout the country. So this idea that they would be cutting corners, um, I don't think that checks out. Yeah, and so the bottom line, which is the elephant in the room, right? Is why is OEM pushing so hard? What's in it for them? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is it's money. Um, being able to have a you know de facto repair monopoly allows you to control the market, to charge whatever you want to charge and not worry about competition. Um, so I think that's, they've seen how service and repair can be a, a huge money maker um, and they want to protect that line of revenue. Do we have any political legislative barriers out there that you can make us aware of that we can maybe help with? Yeah, I think, you know, I think there's a lot that can be done because um, there are absolutely political barriers. That's what we're seeing right now in California. Um, so, you know, as this issue has really come to the national attention over the past year, um, a lot of these manufacturers have been embarrassed to some degree. They are, you know, have their kind of white hat position has been challenged a little bit in the fact that there has been this call saying you're not doing everything you can do to help patients. Um, so they have come out really aggressively against our bills everywhere they're introduced, particularly in California um, through their industry group. Advamed um, has been doing a lot of lobbying on the issue and they've got a lot of money, they've got a lot of influence, they've got a lot of power. Um, so the best thing that we need to do to overcome this is to tell stories, right? We need to have technicians and doctors and hospitals come out and say, this is the impact of the repair restri restrictions that currently exist. And this is the way that it's hurting, you know, it's hurting patients, it's leading to delays, it's charge, it's costing more. And that means that our healthcare system is more and more expensive, right? We need that truth to be told as much as possible. Um, so there's a lot that, you know, you who are listening, if, if you work in the HCM field, if you work in a hospital, um, we want to hear your stories. We want to hear you speak out for it. So, um, you know, we do have a, a letter, a petition, um, particularly for those in, in California um, that hopefully, you know, we can share in the, in the show notes or, yeah, or somewhere. Um, but that's the biggest thing is, is to start by, by um, coming out saying that this is a problem. Any you know professional organizations or your hospital talking to folks there and asking them to come out in support of right to repair, and then get in touch with me. You know I'm I'm on Twitter at um, Kevin underscore O'Reilly seven. Um, you can send me an email, which I can leave uh, you know with Sherelle to make sure that it gets out there. But um, we'll find a way because ultimately we think that by joining it together and telling this truth over and over and over again, that's how we overcome the political barriers that do exist. So what's the FDA's stand on this? I've read a lot of reports. What mm -hmm. do you guys feel like the overall tone is from the FDA? Yeah, so the FDA hasn't really weighed into this issue too much, right? They have um, not come out in support. They haven't come out in opposition. They have you know, done some work to try and bring together um, ISOs and HDOs and OEMs um, just alphabet soup there, but um, right. you know, to try and bring all the different uh, parties to the table um, to through a collaborative communities effort. Um, but that has not gone over so well. It hasn't been all that collaborative, to be honest. Um, a lot of the manufacturers kind of left that. And I think that legislation um, is an important way to force them to come back to the table because ultimately, right to repair bills are not about taking away their business. They're not about cutting them down a peg. It's about trying to get them to be more cooperative with the folks doing the work in the hospitals um, at this critical time. And, and you know, regardless of whether there's a pandemic or not. Right. And since the pandemic started, 
Um, are there any numbers that you guys have found that have been overwhelming in support of the Right to Repair Act that you guys are able to show? Because I know sometimes, even though we're saying it, it always takes the facts. Show me the facts, right? Where are you guys sure. finding the facts? Yeah, so what we've been doing really has been focused on talking to the um, to the biomeds themselves. It's been about the biomeds kind of lived experience, right? So um, we did a survey back in June um, of 222 biomeds from across the country, asking them a couple of questions about what's been happening. Um, so of those, you know, over 200 respondents, 91.8% uh, of them, so more than nine out of 10 had been denied access to service information for critical equipment like defibrillators, ventilators, anesthesia machines, et cetera. Um, 30% um, reported equipment in their facilities that they could not use due to uh, restrictions on spare parts and service information. Um, and then in addition to that, you know, almost 70% uh, of the respondents say that their hospital had to delay a per patient procedure because they were waiting on a manufacturer to representative to, to fix a device. Um, seven out of 10 in the middle of summer when, you know, I mean, the pandemic has only gotten worse. And right. now I think there's there's some light at the end of the tunnel. But the fact that seven out of 10 had to delay procedures because of this problem is incredibly illuminating of, of the impact that it has. But the ways that you can tell your story, there's a couple of them. Um, so you can reach out to me. You can go to yourstate.repair.org. Um, so, you know, if you live in California, it would be california.repair.org. Um, Repair.org is... Um, one of the main groups that is, is fighting for the right to repair up on, across a bunch of different industries. But mm -hmm. um, there, what you can do is there's a tool to write a letter that will uh, immediately, it'll go straight to your legislator, straight to your state legislatures. Um, it also has an opportunity where it'll call whoever your representative is. Um, so you just have to stay on the line, we'll patch you through and you can tell a little bit, tell them why you're in support of right to repair and the bill in okay. particular. Um, so that's a, a couple ways that you can get involved and that that would be really helpful but you know i think in addition to that like i mentioned before that petition that um we'll we'll have information for it if you're in california we would love to have your name on there and and use that as a way to start your involvement and um, really make a difference on the issue yeah we'll, we will definitely link the viewers up and our listeners up with all that information so they can get more actively involved how do you think we can get this word out farther in the community Absolutely. So I think, you know, I think there are a number of things you can do. Um, you know, I've talked about the ways to get involved individually, but start talking about it with the other members of your hospital, right? Let the doctors you work with know and let your, your, who you report to and other departments, nurses, things like that. A lot of, because, you know, HCM biomed folks are so good at their job. Um, nobody ever knows when something goes down. Um, but Our people don't even they, know who they are. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I spoke with one. <laughs> right. Um, it's yeah, I, I spoke with one biomed who who said he prides himself in being like a ninja, right? He like slips in there, gets a piece of equipment that's broken, maybe puts in a replacement or makes a, the um, makes the fix all under the dark of night when nobody notices. But um, so I think I think that, you know, there's some some work to be done to just let other people know the, the problems that you're facing um, and that right to repair is a way to, to address that. Um, 
And, and then other than that, it's, it's getting in, in contact with, with your legislators, um, letting them know that this is something that you care about. This, this affects your work and it affects patient care. Um, all of that is really important and they are in a position to do something about it. Yeah, I think that's really important. And, and you know, one voice is important, just like one vote is important. Do you find bipartisan between the Democrats and Republicans in the House, like who's supporting and who isn't? Is that an issue? No, I, I think this is, is really a bipartisan issue. This is not about, you know, ideology or um, party affiliation or anything like that. This is about, you know, a problem that needs to be fixed and it's a common sense solution to get to it. Um, so I think, you know, this, this really is something that we see support from both sides. In fact, in, on our bill um, in California, which is, you know, if you wanna look it up, it's called the Medical Device Rights Repair Act, SB 605. Um, we have an author who's a Democrat and a, a co-sponsor who is a Republican because that's yeah, this, that's the, this is an important issue and, and it doesn't matter which side of the aisle you fall on. I'm gonna ask you one last question that maybe okay. you can leave our listeners and our viewers with. We're going to call it the word of wisdom, right? Mm -hmm. Your wow word, right? And it's been pretty big in 2020 and 2021 is, you know, my word is intent. I want to do things with intent. And what is my intent about my actions personally and professionally? Do you have that wow word that you could associate to right to repair that maybe just hearing that word might make our listeners think about, oh yeah, I have to call my legislator or write that letter because they hear that word, they can live by it. I think it's urgency. I think that yeah. this is a really important moment to act because you know, COVID-19 and all that we've been through has us looking at our healthcare system in a way that we haven't looked at it before. And I think this is an incredibly necessary change is, is passing right to repair and making sure to get these tools widely distributed to the right folks. Mm -hmm. And it needs to happen now. You know, I think that this is as good as a chance of a chance as we'll have in a long time. Is there a date on that movement on that, you know, when this might happen? Yeah. So, you know, in California, um, we're anticipating that the bill will be heard by the health committee um, either April 7th or more likely April 14th. Um, so yeah, if you're in California, it. now's the time to do it. Okay. Yeah. So one more time, I want to give you the opportunity just to let us know your contact information, um, some key, maybe phone numbers, email addresses, websites, and we'll mm -hmm. post those up too and links so people can get a hold of you, your team, and the important people to make this change because you're right, it is urgency, right? I mean, yeah. I mean April 1st is just around the corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's coming up quick. Um, yes. So, you know, my email address is uh, koreilly, um, K-O-R-E-I-L-L-Y at perg.org, P-I-R-G.org. Um, I'm on Twitter at uh, Kevin underscore O'Reilly7. Um, and then, you know, the other, the other big website is um, yourstate.repair.org. So again, california.repair.org as an example. Um, those are some great ways to, to reach out, to get involved in the rights repair movement, which is, is growing and building and really dynamic. Um, but we would love to have you all be a part of it. Well, thank you for joining us today, Kevin. I'm excited to help the movement. Um, Multi-Medical Systems is, 
excited and, and supporting your efforts and we really appreciate you. I want to let you know that your efforts really do mean a lot to us. Well, thank you, Sherelle, and, and thank you for all the MMS has done and for the opportunity to talk about this because, yeah, it's, I mean, y'all do such important work and I want to make sure that you do it restriction free. If you'd like to view the full video interview, please head on over to multimedicalsystems.com. If you'd like to hear more podcast interviews, you can find them on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever platform you find your podcasts on. Please make sure to subscribe and leave a review of what you thought of the show today. If you'd like to access the letter discussed in today's show or tell your story, please head on over to the description and find links to the appropriate forms and websites. Thanks.